What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 9 to 15, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on our 18th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. I'm pumped for you to hear today's guest, Mike McCarthy, his second time on the podcast, previously episode 122. Several years ago, Mike and his wife wrote a book called Miracle Morning for Parents and Families, and now they've come out with a workbook to go alongside of it with seven exercises for you to implement rhythm and systems in your home so that your family can experience a home of collaboration, working together, and truly knowing each other, which will lead to peace and stability, something we all long for. In this episode, we break down each of the seven exercises, and I encourage you stay until the end because I'm going to explain how I'm going to implement these in 2022 with my family and how you can come along and do it with us. Enjoy hearing the incredible work that Mike has done for you and I to build peace and stability in our homes. All right, welcome to another episode of Fatherhood Field Notes. Stoked to be sitting down once again with my friend, Mike McCarthy. Mike, how are you today? Doing great, buddy. How are you doing? I am doing great. You know, we connected on the podcast about a year ago, and then you and your wife uh, just came out with a workbook that goes alongside the book that the two of you wrote back in 2016, The Miracle Morning for Parents and Families. And now there's this companion guide, a playbook, and it is truly incredible. And I really wanted to share it with the world because, you know, as we look at the state of our world, it's heightened right now, but we need peace, joy, trust, and stability, right? I mean, you look out the window and that's what we need in our world. And I truly believe that this starts in your home. And I believe that this book is the system and framework to help parents simply do that. Absolutely, buddy. I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity to share this with as many families as I can. Um, it's become my personal mission to get this out to the world. And I do believe that if families can uh, do a better job of collaborating, communicating, uh, ultimately, that'll help strengthen the individuals. It'll help strengthen the, the, the families. And ultimately, I think that'll uh, leave a blueprint and a, and, a, and a stronger impact on our world that mm-hmm. collaboration matters, working together matters, uh, and teaming up with people, even, our, even in our own family, uh, makes a big difference. You know, nobody succeeds alone in this world. So I think we've got to start behaving in a way where we rely on each other and we focus on how we can do that starting in the home. Yeah, I agree. You know, sometimes I think it's easier in our minds to go do this at work or with a team. And I think the reason may be because we don't necessarily have to be as vulnerable at work. People might not see all of our dirt, whereas inside your home, your family fully sees you for who you are and who you're working to become. And it requires a level of um, a vulnerability with your family. Do you find that it's, it's more intimate to create these kinds of communicative systems inside your home than it is necessarily outside in a business or a team or something like that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely you're doing it in a place where there's a lot more vulnerability. 
Um, you know, there's also a lot of humility that's required mm. to sort of do this in the home because uh, oftentimes parents behave as if they're supposed to already have all the answers and have everything figured out. And a lot of these exercises are bringing the, the concepts to the children and saying, we don't know what this looks like. That's why we're going to have these conversations together as a family. And so I think, uh, you know, a lot of times I think leaders of a family, of a business, of a team, they want to have all the answers. And I think mm -hmm. right now what, what we're seeing is that the best leaders are the ones with the best questions, not the best answers. Yeah. And I think that leads perfectly into the format of this. So, you, you know, you wrote a book and people love to write books, read books. I should say read books, right? So when you read a book, sometimes it's hard to like implement it. You feel like you read it. So you check it off where this is truly a playbook. And, and my friends, when you open this up, uh, first off, this is not just about having a miracle morning, how to have a killer morning with your family. It is far more the full system. And we're going to go through the seven steps, uh, seven chapters or exercises. But what's beautiful about it is it gives you one, how the McCarthy's did it. And then two blank worksheets for how you can implement this in your home. And I, I think Mike, what I love most about it is it's not just this perfect picturesque of how it's like all so dreamy. There's a lot of things in here of, well, this didn't work and we don't hit our family meeting every week. Our goal is to do 40 a year, right? So you have these things where it's very realistic. So if you're listening now, this is really a guide with a lot of room to figure it out. You know, it's not a one and done. This is the only way, you know, the McCarthy's aren't meeting at 6 a.m. every Sunday morning for their, you know, family meeting 52 times a year we would all kind of walk away from that and go, that's unrealistic. So you guys kind of open up the, the curtain a lot to share the behind the scenes, which I really appreciate. Yeah. I mean, you've got to, got to be realistic about it. I don't think there's a perfection or a way to do it. That's better than any other one way. I think the question is, is what are you doing to have intentional conversations within your family mm -hmm. and, and how do you work together as a family to support each other in achieving your goals? Because if you're not doing it, then any way that you do it will be the right way. Mm. And so this book will help you to help you to get started and at least have a lot of optionality for what what you're what what you could do and how it might look for your family to implement. Yeah, I think that's key. You know what you just said, and then a few minutes ago saying leaders don't have all the answers. Dads, as you're listening to this, you are a leader. It doesn't mean you have to have it figured out. It means you can you can just bring up the question. Hey, let's talk about our family values. Hey, let's talk about a family meeting. And if you're initiating it and then showing up to serve, not control, that's leading, right? Because you're leading down a path together. Um, so before we get into the, I just want to kind of go through each exercise so people understand them. But before in the introduction, there's this question that um, you and your wife, Lindsay had asked yourself. And I think a lot of parents can start with this. And that question is, you know, how do we want to lead our family? You know, do enough of us pause and just say, hang on, how do we want to lead our family? And then you came up with the three P's as the two of you talked about, what does it mean? Maybe just share the three P's. And I think that'll lead dads to go to their wife and say, how do we want to lead our kids? And then start to have a conversation and then hopefully dig into this book. Yeah. So we came up with the three P's when we wrote the first version of the Miracle Morning for Parents and Families. And it's really stuck with us. Um, the first one is playfulness. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So we've decided that we want this to be a, a fun experience for our children and for us. Uh, we made the decision early on that we weren't going to revolve our life around our children's, but we were going to do something different, which is integrate them into our lives. So we were going to keep doing all the things that we loved to do and wanted to do, and then just bring our children along mm-hmm. for the ride. And then we want to go along for the ride in their lives too. So anything they're doing, we try to get involved in and have fun. Um, you know, life's too short to not be having fun. And I think the key to having fun is finding that childlike wonder and playfulness mm-hmm. and bringing that into the family, because not only will it resonate with your children to approach thing, things from the place of play where they mostly hang out and reside in playfulness, right? I remember yeah. as a kid thinking, I don't ever want to become an adult because they clearly don't know how to have fun. Like yes. I remember this instinctively. And so we just want to encourage parents to be playful and to have fun. Is it is it difficult? Is it challenging? Yes, but that doesn't mean it can't also be fun, the experience of parenthood and, and raising children. So that's playfulness. Um, the next one is per- being purposeful. And this is where that intentionality comes into is that we wanted to think about Hey, what do we want our life to look like? And do this with our children and say, what, what are your thoughts on what our life should look like? How do we want um, not only to show up and be as a family, but individually, what, what do you want to become in life? And we ask these questions of our kids a lot, like, you know, trying to uncover their passions, find out what really makes their them come alive, and then help them to do more of that. And I think this idea of leading uh, in the home, like you might lead a team at work, it seems a little bit daunting at first. It even did for me, but that's just because it's expected at work and it's expected in teams that you have meetings, you have practice, you, you focus on running plays and learning, learning how to collaborate. But in the home, it's sort of like, well, why don't we do that? Right. The only right. reason that it seems a little bit awkward or or more difficult is because the expectation hasn't been set that we are purposeful as a family. And so we're going to do things like family values and meetings and screen, screen time contracts, which we'll get into in a little while. But, you know, there's a lot of ways that you could be purposeful as a parent. But I think it's just starting with the end in mind and saying, where do I want to be at? two years, three years, five years, 10 years from now, and then being purposeful about charting a course to those places that you want to find yourself later. Yeah. And I love doing that together. So we've got purposefulness, playfulness, and then perspective. Yep. So perspective is just how do you have the right mindset? You know, how do you understand that our kids are on their own hero's journey? If you're familiar with um, Campbell's work at all, and they're gonna they're gonna have pain and sorrow and sadness and challenges, and they're also gonna have uh, people that help them along the way. Hopefully, the parents are some of those helpers that help them to slay their dragons mm-hmm. and to return back to the village with you know the message of hope and accomplishment. But we as parents, we really have to just understand that our time in this position is very short. Yes. It's very much a a position that has only a little bit of tenure before your kids are off and they're, they're full adults. And so how do we just continually remind ourselves that not only is this the best job we can, we can have 
is to raise another human being and make them into a person that is productive, fulfilled, and goes out into the world and makes a difference just by being who they are. They don't have to be a billionaire or a millionaire. They don't have to launch charities and foundations. They can just be who they are, fulfill their passions, and then that will in and of itself become service in the world. And so how do we remind ourselves not only of all of that, but also this idea that that we talk about in the book, which is that you know, our children can become our greatest teachers if we'll let them. Yes, so true. And, and if we're humble enough to tell them that, how does that empower them? If kids can realize that they also are teaching us as we're teaching them, it puts them in a position of power, which I like to do because I grew up in the era of children are to be seen and not heard. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's so much we can learn from our children if we have the right perspective as we're parenting. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So good. Uh, All right. Well, let's just jump into briefly each one of these exercises, give people a taste of what kind of framework and system uh, you and Lindsay have been, you know, beta testing uh, for years now. And we get to tap into all that wisdom. And then I just encourage families, if you're looking for peace uh, and and legacy in your home, this book can, can be a big part of that. So exercise one is your family bedtime ritual. So maybe just dig into that for a minute. Talk about the the family uh, bedtime ritual. Yeah, my pleasure. So, you know, the idea here is that a lot of families struggle with bedtime, um, especially if you have younger children. And I think you you should start as early as you can to create a ritual around bedtime. Mm -hmm. And what we've really laid out in the book is a way for you to design like what are the things that you want to to zero in on as a family at bedtime? So we we, we have a uh, a moment in our house where Alexa tells us, "Hey, it's it's sort of last call around the house. Like mm. if you want to do anything, you need to get anything done. Seven thirty is when that bell starts ringing. Uh, at eight o'clock, the kids got to go and get get all their bedtime rituals done. So they're brushing teeth and brushing hairs, and on shower nights, they're getting their showers done. Um, and then, and then, what we do is we've decided that uh, we want to be learning and and experiencing stories together as a family. So we listen to an audio book together uh, about one chapter, five to ten minutes every single night, and then it's lights out by nine by nine o'clock every, every evening. And so that's a little taste of what our bedtime ritual looks like, but it's evolved over time. There's been lots of different ways that we've, we've communicated together, like in order to have a peaceful uh, departure into the dream realm. Right. And, and just, Mm. and just all of us sort of have a chance to, to give hugs, give kisses, share what, what, what's going on with each other. And then everybody's going to bed sort of feeling connected as opposed to feeling frantic or we're just trying to get, you know, get, get the kids off to bed. And I think, you know, if you have kids that, that struggle to getting them to bed, the more you can do a consistent method of what happens before they're expected to go to bed, the more they're just going to fall into whatever's next in the series of the routine uh, that you've yes. created. And so, you know, they might not like the actual bedtime part, but there might be some things before that that they do like. And if you can sort of get them bought in, you know, every single exercise in here, by the way, 
you sit down with your family and you co-create it together. Yes, yes. And so the other benefit of them uh, being a part of this exercise and creating their bedtime ritual is that they're going to take more ownership of something that they help create. And I think oftentimes we approach it as parents, like this is what you're doing at bedtime. I'm the parent and this is what you need to do. And that just creates a lot of unnecessary resistance. So if you can sit down and design using the questions we've provided a bedtime ritual, then you're going to be way ahead of the game. And, you know, if you get a great, great night's sleep, by the way, you'll be most equipped to get up the next morning and have a powerful day. Mm, So good. So I won't do this on every chapter, but it starts off with a heading. Why is this important? Okay, so it goes through why, you know, why it's important and then how did we do it? So it explains how the McCarthy's did it and then step, you know, then each step and then what their finished product looks like, which I want to talk about in a minute. And then blank pages for you to do the same thing with your family. And you can go online and print out more so you can give a packet to each person in your family if you want. But love the co-creation. Love having Alexa play a part of it, right? You're using technology to help support. It's not dad yelling, hey, it's 730, right? So it's not on you. It's on Alexa. And then um, really, when you think about our children, they want to feel connected. They want to feel stable. And how many parents listening to this are like, man, bedtime is a shit show, right? And it's just chaotic. And it doesn't have to be if you create it together. And the one thing on your, um, because I love how you just, you put your whole checklist um, on here. And this really helped us a lot when we had little ones is on your checklist, which your kids see is stay in your bedroom till 7 a.m. Right now, this might change based on this, the, the season of life you're in. But I remember this was huge for my wife. You know, we had a couple really early risers five with five kiddos, a couple early risers. And she put clocks in their room and said, don't get out of bed till seven. Here's there's books in your room, uh, whatever. Right. Not whatever. There's books in your room. Um, but that was game changing for my wife is that 7 a.m. Not having kids roll out at 615 because they just woke up. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's super helpful. It gives you that space in the morning that you need. And they also get some space that maybe they need um, in order to to get ready for the day too. Yes, 100%. Okay, so exercise one, bedtime routine. Leading into exercise two, your family miracle morning, which is so killer because this is what the book is named, but it's so much more than that. Uh, So so your miracle morning um, really would just like, you know, to talk about two things here and you could bring up anything you want, but explain the charms, which is a play or a change on savers, um, how Elrod's miracle morning book, but it's really designed for kids. And then talking about how you guys did your 30 day challenge to kick this off. Yeah. So charm stands for creativity, health, affirmations, reading, meditation, and service. And those are the six, uh, adapted, uh, morning rituals that we recommend families focus in on because they they add in a little bit of um, extra from the the savers, Mm -hmm. but it's very much the same as well. So they line up in a way that is both complementary as well. So um, creativity is simply just drawing, playing, uh, role-playing, whatever it might be, just getting into play and creativity. Um, Health is eating a great breakfast and then maybe doing a little bit of exercise. And then affirmations, our kids all, uh, they read affirmations. They're usually uh, pick a different 
word for each letter of the alphabet. And then they'll say, I am awesome. I am brave. I am courageous. Mm. And so each of them have created their own ABCs of affirmations that they go through. Love it. Um, And then meditation, they'll usually set a timer on Alexa or do like an insight timer, uh, kids meditation. Um, And then uh, H-A-M. And then service, uh, reading, actually, I missed, is um, that my daughter, who's dyslexic, can't read yet, so she'll listen to an audiobook. Mm. Or service is the next uh, part of the program, and oftentimes my son will read to my daughter, and he'll ah. get his reading and his service done all at the same time, and then my daughter just has to go find um, something to do to serve someone else in the family. And so, you know, I think the one that's the biggest departure uh, um, in charms versus savers is really the service aspect. Hmm. And I think it's important for kids to really understand like, hey, part of being a, uh, a, a human being that's striving towards your potential is also serving others as you do that. And so we just felt it was really important to instill that in, in our children. And then the other thing is there's no creativity in, this, in the savers either. There's creativity in it, but not directly specified as just be creative, draw, write, play. And so, and we think that that's just an important aspect for the kids to have a lot of playfulness Mm -hmm. and creativity Mm -hmm. inside of the Miracle Morning. Love it. You know, and I've heard you talk about this before is, uh, I think we talked about in the last podcast, but if you're going to start the Miracle Morning, one, it doesn't mean that everybody has to get up at 4.30 a.m. to do it. And two, it doesn't mean that it has to take an hour, you know, um, and, and, and also in hearing you talk about it, it's like you can have a list of options for creativity. You can have a list of options for for reading so that it doesn't feel super robotic. So I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that um, before I ask the next question about it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's just all about um uh, doing what works for your family. Mm-hmm. So even in our family, oftentimes the charms aren't getting done in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. In our family, the rule is you can't get any screen time unless you've done your charms. So inevitably, they're going to get it done at some point. I think it's easier to knock something like that out that's habitual in the morning, and then yeah. you're set for your day. That makes sense. But with kids, it's a little bit different. They may not have the time to get it done in the morning. And if so, they can still do it later in the day. Or to your point, they can do a six-minute version. They can do a one-minute meditation, draw for a minute, read for a minute. Like That's totally possible. And I think it's just all all about what works for your family. And I think we don't want to get too stringent on any particular plan, because I think those are the plans that usually break under pressure because there's no, no amount of flexibility that you can add to something that's too tense and too stringent without it breaking. Yeah, I think, and and that's what I've needed to learn a lot the last year of doing this because our, it's been hard since we've moved, it's been harder to get into a rhythm. Um, Just, you know, time change this, that, and the other. Um, so I think that as a father, trying your best to be a leader in the home to really show up with playfulness versus control, like it's not about getting it done today. It's about, you know, the next hundred days, you know, did you do it 50 times in a hundred days versus you're just a dick every morning, forcing your kids to do it right. It's, that's not fun for anybody. Um, yeah. and just like we talked about, you know, sending your kids to bed 
in a stable, peaceful, connected state so they can enjoy their seven hours of sleep or nine hours of sleep. This is the same opportunity with the charms and with the miracle morning is instead of it being that rush to school, rush out, take your toast in the car. Um, it's sending your kids to school with a sense of stability. And, and, and really, I think that that falls on the parents to create that, right? Your home should be the place that that stability is felt and your kids will take that into the world. Cause I mean, it's so sad right now. My daughter is 15. She's a uh, sophomore and the school um, there's an Instagram that somebody started at the school and it's called kids asleep at school. And so it's a picture of kids asleep. And so she's shown us last night, her friend, somebody got a picture of her friend asleep, right? Cause now they have a mask on at school. So mask on at school, head down asleep on the desk. And I mean, it's a kit, you know, there's a couple posts a week. My point is if you're doing just those two th- simple things of like, how do we go to bed? How do we wake up and send off to school? your kid is going to be bringing that stability into a world that really lacks that. Yeah, that's important. I really like that. I'll have to check out that Instagram uh, page. That sounds funny. <laughs> but pretty funny. but uh, I but mean, sad. like, th- I guess the hope is that they're taking a little nap because they were up early doing their miracle morning. Yeah, right? let's so. hope that's, that's the case. <laughs> but, um, but you make a great point there. And I totally resonate with that. So if parents, just to end this miracle morning, uh, when parents start this and they create this with their kids, how do you feel about that 30 day challenge, you know, to like really create a habit? Um, I know there's different, like you got to do it for 66 days or 30 days or whatever. A habit is a habit as long as you're doing it, but the 30 day challenge with your family can help you. What's your, some thoughts around that? Yeah. I mean, I think when you enter your, your, whenever you're introducing something new, it can be a great idea to really hit it um, with some intensity and really dive into it fully, be immersed in it, because then you really get to to have some quantitative and even more qualitative data of like, well, what's the experience been? It's like, if you just do the Miracle Morning like once or twice a week, you could do that for an entire year and maybe not fully be able to grasp what the experience has done for you. Mm -hmm. But if you're hitting it every single day, then there's probably going to be some evidence that shows up that says, hey, like you're improving who you are as a human being. You're getting better results in this area or that area. And I think that comes by being fully immersed in whatever it is that you're doing. The other thing that I would say, Ned, is that um, uh, it'd be a great idea to have some type of uh, prize or something that the whole family gets to do at the end of the 30 days. And to approach it from a standpoint of, not, hey, we are going to do this 30-day challenge, but maybe saying to your kids, hey, would you guys want to do a 30-day challenge where at the end of the challenge, we we all get something as a family that we really wanted? Maybe individually we get something, and then maybe we get something together as a family if we all make it through the first you know, 30 days of this challenge and give them a chance to opt in instead of just, you know, shoving it down their throat and then give them a reward or something to aim for that's inspiring to them because they may not think that the results or the, the, the things that they'll get out of the miracle morning in and of themselves are worthwhile until they've experienced them. So you might want to set something up where they're able to to, to have something they want or earn something that they're after by, by participating along with the family. Hmm. I love that. I love the idea of not just, Hey, we're all going to go out to pizza 
uh, you know, as an idea to celebrate together, but we're all going to do this as a family and you each get something you've been waiting for. I like that, that both right to get that individual prize, um, which, which gives them the regular buy-in uh, every day. Right. Cause they got their eye on the prize. Uh, a couple thoughts that came to mind is, you know um, one, if you're a, if you're a dad leading this pay attention right now. So before you start this, pay attention to how the mornings are going. Notate it. You don't got to say anything, but just kind of take a mental note of how things are going. How does the family feel? And then when you do start this, I would encourage you to do the same thing. Like you don't always have to say something about it, but pay attention to how people are feeling. And then a deeper challenge is say you're going to start this sometime in January. Why don't you start right now doing a miracle morning for yourself Get in a rhythm of what feels right, what works. I think that'll help you as you start to lead your family through this. Um, okay, exercise number three, your unique family values, which is is really, I think, we, we did this last year um, as a family. I think it's such a cool thing to do as a family. Um, and so maybe talk about the unique family values. And then the other thing I love that you talk about is that it's evolving. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is, to me, the most important aspect, I think, of, of leaving a legacy. Mm. Um, I'm a second generation entrepreneur. My kids will be potentially third generation entrepreneurs. But either way, there's a substantial amount of opportunity that they would have access to in the form of businesses and wealth. And I, I looked at that and said, well, what are the models of this in the world? And when you look around, a lot of the stats are frightening on third generation squandering all the wealth or spending all the money, crashing all of the businesses. And I thought about, well, that in and of itself is sad. But if you really think about the child who's in that position and they squander the wealth or they lose the businesses or, or they run them into the ground, why does that happen? And in, in a book called Entrusted that I read, they call it affluenza. Hmm. And it's, and it's really proven that this is a difficult thing to navigate. And I think the challenge uh, that that people have is that they try to give the children the fire before they're ready for it. And now they're wielding fire that they're not ready to harness that power. And so in the book, they talk about giving the children the flint in the kindling. So that's maybe giving them a loan and partnering them with, with them on a business or paying for their school or their education. But it's not giving them, you know, everything, and it's certainly not giving them the ability to, uh, to not not do anything. And and I think um, actually Warren Buffett puts it best when it comes to this. Is he said he was quoted as saying, "Give your kids enough to do anything, but not enough to do nothing." Ah, uh, yes, that's good. And and where the values tie into this net is that I think what the kids are missing is oftentimes the entrepreneur is away building the businesses. And they're using the, the family as the excuse to be away from the family. And then they're building these massive fortunes and awesome empires that are really something to be proud of. But the problem is, is that the children don't actually get a front row seat to how that has been built or what values and, and pr guiding principles went into creating that success. So we've got to sort of draw back the curtains and expose our children to values that are important to that family, because it's probably those values which have helped to create the wealth. And so we lay out a system in the book for how to sit down and co-create 
a value system. And we recommend that you go beyond sort of the standard values exercises that I often seen, uh, see uh, uh, organizations, groups, and teams do, which is to define our values as just a word or three or five. And I think it's important to get some great words uh, that represent your value to get your values together. But I think it also is about going deeper and defining within each of those values. What does it look like to be living that value in the world? Mm -hmm. What is the actual Mm -hmm. description? And I think if you can get the words, the title, which is the value together, and then you can come, you can, uh, put a description with it, now it becomes a guiding principle as well as a value instead of just an ask. And sometimes values are aspirational and and they're not necessarily the reality of how that family is living. And so another way that we approach this exercise is, and this is a fun exercise to do, like as families, you're going to really enjoy this is the way you start out is you write down as many experiences as you can that you've had with your family that were positive experiences, peak moments, uh, times when you were at your best as a family. And then you sit around and you share all of these stories. And as you're sharing those stories, you look for the values, the words, you look for the description of the strengths and how it looks to actually live these values and then you use post-it notes to collect all of these different words. And then you and then you theme them out on poster boards and you start to develop your values that way. So it's a very intricate process, but it's really fun because you're exploring all of your family's best moments. And so the values are actually the reality of how you live. It's not just some clever words you throw on a paper that are aspirational. These words actually live in the stories of when your family has been at its best. And so I think that's a a unique twist on how this is done. But this stuff really works. Like our children will talk about our family values in moments of success, when they're challenged, Um, They will bring them up to us when we're not living them. Mm -hmm. So we've seen it in action that our kids, after four years of honing these, figuring out what they are, getting well-defined, repeating them every week in our family meeting or, you know, every time we have a family meeting, that eventually they, they really get ingrained into the kids as this is what it means to be a McCarthy. And if they can get that, now they're going to understand what it takes to be successful in the world, because it's those values that I bring into the world that help me to create the business success that eventually they're going to have access to. Mm, Man, it's so beautiful. And you know, there's this line in here that uh, it's a story about your son getting stitches and how he, you know, breathed through it and was strong through it. And the nurse said, you're so strong. And he says, it's because I'm a resilient warrior, which, you know, one of your, uh, the guiding principle is we are resilient warriors, which is a value statement. And then it has a, you know, a couple sentences behind that, uh, really giving life and a guiding principle to that. But something so unique about this is, you know, so many people in our world, either a struggle with identity or they are so influenced by the massive amount of you know, media that is trying to capture our attention to sway us in one way or another, that these values, um, because they're lived out, is it teaches your kids and you as a father and, and parents how to show up. 
And I think that that can, we could just breeze over those words, but how do you show up to your morning? How do you show up at work? How do the McCarthy show up? How do the shouts show up? And to build that identity into your kids. I mean, what else is more important for you and I to do? But if we're not pausing as a family to decide those things, the world will decide in some sense for us. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to give them that foundation mm-hmm. of, of knowing who they are at their core and having it so well defined that they they can access that later on when they need it most. And I think that's the important part. You know, when we build a legacy, it's only as strong as the hands that we equip to carry it forward. And we need to instill these values in them. So it's not just about creating them, by the way. Once they're created, then the work begins. Mm-hmm. Because you've got to actually catch them living the values. You've got to bring them up in a challenging moment and have them leverage those values to get through whatever it is that they're facing. That's when you'll see them really come to life is when you can get them to that point where, where they're using them and they become that foundation. Yeah, and, and I love what you do in this chapter um, of the playbook is... Um, giving other families examples as well, because you start to see some differences, right? You start to see how other people's perspective of, of what a value and guiding principle is, which I think is helpful because there's not one right way to do it. It's who is your family? You know, who are you becoming? Um, so yeah, solid. Okay. So now exercise four is really interesting. Um, and, and I, and I want to hear the implementation and, but it seems like it would really provide a ton of daily, um, like stability. I don't know. It, this is solid. So if you could, if you could go over this with me. Yeah. So the, the exercise four is the star system, which my wife's brilliant because we call them McCarthy stars, the thing that we earn in our household, it's our currency, but star actually stands for screen time, allowance, rewards, and responsibility. So what we've done is we've sat down with our kids and this is what we outlined in the exercise as well. And we said, hey, what are all the things that you want to do in the household that would help you to earn stars? So the stars are actually the family currency that we use. And um, in our family, we sat down and this is what's outlined in the exercise as well as we sat down and we asked our kids, we said, what are all the things that you want to be able to do in the family that will earn you stars? And they created a whole poster board filled with post-it notes where they said, well, if we wash the dog, if we take the dog out, if we uh, load the dishwasher, if we help with laundry, um, and we boiled it down to all of these different things. And then they had to negotiate with us well, should that be worth one star or two stars? Mm-hmm. And now there's no foundation for our currency. There's no exchange rate established yet. So it was all an ongoing negotiation. Then the next thing we did is we put another poster board next to the first one. And we said, what are all the things you want to be able to use your stars to get? What do you want to spend them on? And they came up with like 20 different things. But in the end, it boiled down to three things that they spend stars on. They use them to buy screen time. So in our household, to get a half hour of screen time, you've got to pay two stars. And then they also are able to turn in their stars for cash, for money. Now, anytime they turn in their their stars for cash or money, they do have to then put it in the three buckets of the give, spend, and invest jar. 
Um, so it's not a free for all. So there's another system after that. That's mm-hmm. not actually in the book that is taught quite a bit. It's called the three buckets or the three jars system for kids. Um, but in the end, it was just those three things that they really wanted more than anything else. And so in our family, every day we have a tally sheet and it creates accountability every single day for them to say, here's what I've done to contribute to the household and take care of myself. And then they tally it up and they get a certain amount of stars for that. And then they are, then they subtract from it. Did I have screen time? Did I turn it in for mm-hmm. cash or did I have any sweets is the third, the third thing that they spend stars on. And so this was our way of teaching them how to negotiate, how to understand the value of work and also to give them a way to earn allowance where it's not just a given that they get it. And it's, and it's not just a list of chores they have to do. And then they get whatever it is. It's more like real life where if you do the work, you get the reward. If you don't do the work, you just don't get the reward. And so they've been all in on it. They tally them, you know, almost every single day. We miss a few days here or there. Um, if they miss a day, by the way, they still pay for their any screen time. Mm. But they don't get any of the, the, the added stars from the duties that they did. So it's much like real life. If you don't show up for work, you don't get paid. Right. But if you drive your car around, you're still going to pay for the, the lease on your car or the, the, the mortgage on your car, the insurance, whether or not you go out and work or not, those do those bills still come due. Man, you know, when I first read this chapter, I was like, man, that seems like such a big overhaul, right? And and I I get it right at the beginning. Why is this important? Well, you're teaching your kids about money. You're creating a currency of your own. You're you're showing them how a balance sheet works, right? Which some dads might even go, oh, I don't even know. But when you break this down and you show your your finished product, it's so simple. And and I have to imagine that this is you know next to creating the family values, probably one of the most fun things uh, that you created as a family because you're creating your own your own currency and a, and a way to exchange what the kids want for what you want to get done. And, and I would think that it would have led to less arguments about how much sugar have you had today or how much screen time have you had today? It absolutely has. I mean, yeah. we'll get to it in a minute, but this pairs so nicely with our screen time contract exercise where they have to really stay on track with these things if they want these privileges. You know, having things that they want in life beyond just room and board is in our household considered a privilege. So mm-hmm. if they want something, they don't just get it. And by the way, my son has said to me, Dad, you're rich. You could just buy this for me. Why don't you just buy this for me? And I'm like, dude, we- that's not how the world works. If I just buy this for you, then I won't be teaching you how to get what you want in life. I'll just be giving it to you. You mm-hmm. don't want that. Trust me, buddy. Like that's not what you want. You'll appreciate this later on that even though maybe some of your friends' parents just buy them video games and new computers and whatever it is that they want, like in our household I'm trying to demonstrate to you that if you put in the work and you do the things that you're supposed to do, eventually you'll earn whatever mm-hmm. it is that you want in life. And I think that that's gone a long way. I mean, my son right now has been saving up for a computer for like five months. Um, And we're probably going to work something out where he's going to pay. We're going to give it to him for Christmas, but he's going to pay a substantial part of it still. Um, And we're going to just say, hey, you've worked really hard on this. 
we're going to give you part of it as your Christmas present. And you need to, you need to give us some money of what you saved up for that, because we don't want it to just be a freebie and even on Christmas, which, you know, it's, it might even sound a little bit harsh. Like to me, that's not how I grew up. I didn't necessarily have that. I was an only child and I got a lot of things given to me. And I can also see where that has showed up negatively for me in my life where I, I wasn't as, uh, as trained on, Hey, I need to do the hard work to get the reward. There was sort of an expectation. And when things didn't just show up for me, it was a harder lesson than having to learn to go out and earn something that you want at a young age like that. So, yeah, man, uh, I just, I love this, you know, and as I look at this, um, when you get the book, everybody, you'll, you'll come to this, you know, how did the McCarthy's do it section? And there's a picture of their chart, which you guys talk about, you laminated, it has, you know, Sunday through Saturday, um, with all these, you know, making your beds worth one star family hugs worth one star. Um, then you come down to like, try a new food. And then I think that there's one on here that I thought this is so incredible. Uh, is it not complain about the dinner that we're having? That's that shows up somewhere. I don't see (laughs) it now, but I saw that somewhere like, don't complain about dinner. And I think you know, with us having five kids, somebody's always not happy about dinner, but we don't make something special for the kid who's going to, you know, bitch about dinner because the reality is you're going to go out into the world and be put in front of, you know, new food will be put in front of you. So figure it out now, but just such cool things. And then each of those are worth a star, which then again, just to reiterate, you could exchange those for screen time for money or for sweets, really those three things. Um, Okay. So just to take a little deviation from this, if you don't mind, uh, love yeah. this. You said once the kids have the money, um, then there's three buckets. There's give, save, and spend. And, yeah. and I know in the book, you talk a lot about you know one of the very first things you want to teach kids, which I think, oh my gosh, if there's a legacy that we can pass down to our kids, it's save, right? Because what is the stats are, you know, Americans spend 110% of what they're paid, something crazy like that. Um, so, so maybe just, you know, a minute or so, what's the system that, that you use to help your kids with that? So there's actually an app called FamZoo where okay. you can track how much your kids have in each of the buckets. And then my wife uh, does stock investing with them uh, in their save account. So once they've put, they've taken, let's say they get a dollar, it's, you know, roughly like 30 cents goes to the give jar. 30 cents might go to the, the, the save jar and then maybe 40 cents goes to the spend jar. And we actually let them sort of pick their percentages so that there was a little bit of choice and lessons that go along with it. And then over time, we've said, so how's that working out for you? Like, you know, at one point, my son was super generous, which is great, and was giving away a ton of his, uh, of his, his, his cash versus saving it. It wasn't too long before Ember was crushing it in the stock market, my daughter, and had a net worth of like a couple thousand dollars that she'd achieved by investing in stocks. And my son had to make some adjustments, not only in the stocks that he picked, but also in making sure that he was putting enough money into his save account so that there was money in order for him to invest uh, and make a return. And by the way, they're both way up now in their their stock market accounts, which is kind of fun because they're getting to really see how that translates and understand it. Um, And then they choose a charity for their give jars that they donate that money to on a monthly basis. And 
Uh, and then the spend it, money is the money that they get to do whatever they want with. And we've had my son say like, well, why can't I spend my saved money? Like that's still my money. And we had to have some good conversations around like, yeah, but buddy, you need to start uh, building this savings up now because later on in life, you might be able to purchase investments or assets with it mm-hmm. that you can then live off of the passive income from that. So you've got to start young and keep investing it so that it grows in compounds over time. And so these lessons are still unfolding, but we think that they're, they're setting our kids up to really understand how the world actually works. And I think that's why we didn't like the, the idea of allowance, because that's not really how the world is working these days. You don't sort of just do these couple of tasks and then you get paid. And then sometimes maybe you do a poor job and you still get paid or you do a better job, you still get paid the same amount. I think the world re- re- rewards you for getting great results. And so if you can take the ball into your own hands and say, hey, this is the way that I want to show up. I'm going to hit my star chart really hard and earn as much as I possibly can. Then it's going to show up and you're going to have more money to save, spend and give. Ah, man, it's so good. So good. So then maybe you could, how much, uh, how many stars does it take to get $1? So in our family right now, it's a two to one exchange rate. So two stars equals $1. Okay. Cool, cool. That's so good. And then same two stars is a is a half an hour screen time, right? Yep. And then if I want a Snickers or a bowl of ice cream, how many stars is that? Two stars. Two stars. Okay. So two to one. So pretty much simple. Simple. Okay. Love and, it. And we we've done some fun things like right now, um, because my son's been doing such a great job saving up for a computer. For for the last like month, we've said, you know what? Double stars for everything. Mm just to give them a like a feel of like almost like reverse infl- inflation right yeah, all of a yeah. sudden like your efforts are worth more and in the future we might play around with other stuff like we might uh have things just happen like kind of like you're playing the game of life or monopoly where you're drawing from the card and hey uh sorry there's a transaction fee now anytime yeah. you exchange stars it costs 5 stars to do an exchange uh, because that's yes. you know and we're not doing that now but these are just ideas I've had on like how will we create some actual reality within our star system it could be that um everything's worth half stars in a year from now because the world is experiencing inflation right Right. So maybe they should go a month where they experience inflation, where they're doing the same amount of work, but they're only getting half a star. Yeah. The same, same amount of work. Man, so. you guys could definitely turn this into, uh, you know, a game that people purchase, which mentioning games. I don't know if you've played this with your kids, but we just got this recently. The um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad cash flow game. Yeah, that's been really cool to teach my kids. My son has been so we use Greenlight. It's an app where I can you know, my kids have a debit card and they can invest, but he started investing in the green light uh, app. He has like Google and Amazon, you know, fractional shares. Um, but after playing the game, it got him interested in stock. So now like last night we're driving and he grabs my phone and checks his green light card and, and is reading, you know, Oh, he's telling me dad, Google went up, you know, for him, it was like 40 cents or something like that. So it was just it's cool for them to start to see. All right. Exercise five. Now this is really goes into the the family screen time contract, which I, I like that you broke out to be its own exercise because it is such a struggle for families. And it's really interesting, you know, like my son's 12 and him and I had a long conversation recently. So he's 12. He doesn't have a phone yet. 
Um, and he's like, everybody in school has one. And I'm, I'm like, you can be upset with me. That is okay. That's your right to be frustrated by this. But here's my reasons. Even though you have a reason why all of mine are not valid. Um, this is where we're at. And this is just part of life. And I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not angry that you don't think exactly like I do, but it is definitely a topic of conversation. So, um, what are your thoughts on this exercise? Yeah. So, you know, this exercise came of, of the struggle of like a lot of parents are just, they're like, Hey, it's an hour a day. Uh, but then it sometimes it's two or three hours a day. So they're saying one thing and then the rule they're enforcing or not enforcing is another thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that creates a lot of confusion for the kids. They often are, you know, they don't understand. It's like, and then all of a sudden when the parent decides that it's time to get off their screens, it's like, Hey, get off your screen. And they're jerking an iPad or an iPhone out of their hands. And there's this like whole battle that then ensues. And every parent has probably been through this battle of like, it's time to get off your screen. And they're like, no, I'm not going to get off my screen. And so what we wanted to do is create a mutual agreement where we agree ahead of time, like here's how screen time works. And some of the things that have worked for us is that the kids have to do screen time in 30 minute increments and they have to time themselves. And they have to, when the alarm goes off, they have to come and ask for more screen time. So there's a break that they're naturally getting every half hour that they have screen time. The other thing is that sometimes they'll mess up and they won't set a timer. If they do that, they lose their screen time for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. So if we, we'd say, Hey, go have screen time. And I'm looking and I know that it's been 40 minutes, but they haven't come back yet. I go into the room and I say, Alexa, how much time's left on the timer? If Alexa says there's no timer set, then they're they're done with screen time for the rest of that day. So it's teaching a lot of responsible use of electronics, intentional use where they're not just numbing out their mind and using it without there being some cons- consideration and some consciousness brought to it. Um, and so that's how we approach it. The kids are allowed to have an hour during school days and three hours each day of the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. They pay for their screen time with their stars. And there's some screen time rules for mom and dad that we've had to follow. So we don't have to set timers like they do. And we don't have the same limitations because we operate our businesses and our our lives off of the phone. But we definitely have said to them, like, what are the things you think mommy and daddy should have to agree to? So we don't do screens after 8 p.m. And our, our electronics, my wife and I don't live in our rooms either. So our kids aren't allowed to have their electronics in the bedroom. And neither my wife and I are not allowed to either. So there's a little bit of like lead by example. And yeah. we're going to do take some steps so that we also honor the screen time contract. But here's here's what you've agreed to. and. Oftentimes, we know that there's an infraction, but we forget what the penalty is. So we have to go reference the screen time and a contract and say, you know, you you uh, you already used up all your screen time and I just caught you on your screen. We got to go look up what's the penalty for that. And I believe it's that they lose their screen time for the whole next day hmm. um, if they do that. And so we're having to use it not only as a tool to track all of these different rules, but also as a way of saying, hey, put it in front of you. Like you signed this. Your yep. word is your bond. Like if you're going to sign a contract, you'll be held to it in the real world. So just understand that if you don't like what, what I'm enforcing right now, 
then you need to renegotiate it with us. It's not that you get out of the contract just because you don't like it. You have to go renegotiate the contract. And so that's created some great lessons because they've come to us and said, we don't think this is fair. This is how we want it to read. And we go back and forth. And if they have a good valid point, then we'll edit the screen time contract and we'll print it out again and we'll all sign it. And that's our our revamped screen time contract. We probably had like 18 different versions of this <laughs> since we started. So, so- I think as dads are listening to this, they might go, oh, this just sounds overwhelming, whatever. But here's the bigger thing that you're missing is what you just shared. You're having your kids sign a contract at 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, and then coming and renegotiating. You're setting your kid up for some major success throughout their entire life because they're going to deal with purchasing homes, purchasing businesses, um, jobs, um, so many things where where now they're going to understand a contract. They're going to look at it. They're going to understand this is what I committed to. My word matters. Don't go break it and then say it's unfair. Look at it and say this is unfair and then go negotiate, right? And when you want, if you're going to be an employee and, and you want to go work somewhere, your kids are going to need to have those abilities. And where else are going to, they going to learn them? They're not going to learn them in school. They're not going to learn them in college. Nobody's teaching this. They're just going to follow whatever's told to them. And when you have this opportunity with this phone, with this contract, it's a, it's a huge opportunity to prepare your kids for the world. Um, something you shared, you know, two, two thoughts here. One is what we've done recently with our 13 year old and 50 year old and have phones. And now I'm rethinking it is, uh, we can set on our end that, you know, that TikTok shuts off after 30 minutes a day or, um, uh, Instagram shuts off after whatever Pinterest it works well but it's not consciously teaching the kids to keep track of it because all if I gave them an hour, they'd probably use up the whole hour. So when that TikTok shuts off, they're more like, damn it, I can't do this again till tomorrow. Um, so I do like the idea of setting your own timer and then sticking to it. And then we on our end could look and see, well, you were on TikTok yesterday for three hours, you know, or something. We could, we could still see that. So kind of rethinking that. And then what's your opinion on this? Um, my daughter is reading a book, but she's buying her books via like Kindle, but she's, but she has the Kindle app on her iPhone. So like last night I said to her, she's reading on the couch. She read for an hour because she's into her book, but I was like, Hey, next time you want to get a book, I want you to buy a paperback because you're laying at the couch for an hour and then carrying the phone into your bed because you're really into this book, but that's pretty hard to monitor. So what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, we we allow our kids to do Alexa audiobooks. Okay. And they can do that as much as they want because it's not a screen. But that's definitely an area that we haven't um got to yet with our family. So there's not they don't the kids don't do books on Kindle. All of their books are either audible or they're they're paperback, like in print books. Um, but I mean, I I think that. It's, you know, I would just be happy that my kids were reading on some level. Yeah. You know, I think, I I think that that's um, like my daughter can't read right now. She's eight and she's dyslexic. So, you know, like I would just be so happy that she could read that it would just change that that dynamic for me entirely. (laughs) Right. And, you know, but I think that maybe a good balance of that is, you know, I want you to read some of your books in paperback and some of them on Kindle, because that's the way the world really is, is like not every book is even available on Kindle or in paperback. Some of them are only available in certain formats, especially if it's an older classic type book. 
Um, sometimes it's only available in Kindle. So I would I would think about, you know, what's your actual end goal? Is it less screen time? If so, you've just got to understand like Kindle is probably not the same as screen time because you actually are reading. And there's probably some settings they could put on there to make it uh, more true to a uh, without all the colors, the blue light and stuff that's harmful for your eyes. And you also might consider, why don't you just get her a an actual Kindle reader that's more like a book that has white and black. Yes, that's um, a good idea. Because then, good idea. then she can still get a book electronically with there's so many benefits to that, but then she's not also on her phone. Yeah, like screen. 1030 getting a notification that somebody posted something funny on TikTok and so pausing to go look at it, which I can't monitor as well. Okay, All I right. know we might be running out of time here for you. Uh, so we have two more exercises. So I'll just have you jump into those quickly. Uh, so I don't take up too much time. So exercise six is family goals. Uh, so good. So here's what I'll ask. I like that in your family meetings, you share a big goal you have, you have, uh, for your, you know, maybe for the year, and then you have a family goal and then individual goals. And then also some of it's based on some pillars. So maybe kind of explain those things and anything else you find uh, that you'd like to share. Yeah. So, you know, one thing I want to state, and this is the perfect time to do it is, you know, I think it takes time to get all of these exercises up and running. And so I don't want anyone listening to this to think like, hey, I'm going to buy this book and then I'm going to do all the exercises in a week. And then, you know, by <laughs> mid-January, I'm going to have all of them up and running. Like that's just not realistic. And it, it makes this whole thing seem daunting. Mm -hmm. And you also don't have to do it in in order. Like it's not designed where you do exercise one first and then exercise two first uh, next and then third and so on. You could just pick one of the exercises and do it. And if you were really struggling with all of these together and you weren't sure where to begin, I really think that this exercise on your family goals would be a logical place that's not that difficult to start with. And it's a place where if you set it up right, the kids will be attracted to this exercise because you can say to them, hey, I want you guys to lay out some things that you really want in your life that you you want to strive for, that you want, whether it's uh, material things or uh, you know academic things or sports-related things, whatever it is, it can be completely yours. Our only request is that one of them is something that's fun that really speaks to your passions, mm. and one of them is challenging, something that's really going to push you out of your comfort zone. But in the end, they get to pick what their goals are and I think for me, that's kind of cool to be able to, to tell kids, hey, whatever you want, we're going to support it as a family. You're yeah. gonna, we're going to yeah. have your backs in getting that. And so that's how we set up the individual goals. And then in our family meeting, they will set weekly goals that help them stay on track for their big goals, their big heart and their big fun goal. Um, as far as the family goals are concerned, we've just taken the six pillars of GoBundance Hmm. And we had adapted those for our fam abundance community, which is where we take families on mastermind events similar to the main company and what they do for entrepreneurs. And so those are the areas that we said, you know what, these line up perfectly to help create categories for what's most important to our family. So it's genuine contribution, honoring commitments, health, uh, relationships, uh, and financial literacy, I think, are some of the categories 
And so what we do is then we go through and we do an exercise as a family where we we create a menu of everything that could be possible uh, and, and that we maybe want to strive for in those areas. And then we center in and set goals as a family. We're going to travel this much. Uh, we're going to contribute this much. Here are the different charities we're going to volunteer for or help support. And you just really start to lay out, like based on the categories of what's important to your family, what goals can you set for the upcoming year as a family? And we also do this, Lindsay and I, as a couple. So we have our couple's goals. Mm-hmm. I have my individual goals. And then we have our family goals. And uh, we're big goal setters in our family. So I have a ton of goals every year. I mean, I probably set 100, 150 goals um, every single year. And some of them are things that are going to happen automatically that I'm just tracking, like number of runs, number of workouts, stuff like that, number of days snowboarding. But some of them are things that I'm stretching towards, like hiring an investment manager or uh, getting the sauna in my backyard that require me to put a little effort and thought into making that happen. So uh, we like to communicate what our goals are as individuals and then also what our shared goals are as a family in our family meetings. So every week there's a touch point, like how are you doing on your goals? How, you know, what's new with them? What, what are you striving towards and how can we support that? And so we actually um, don't call our family meeting a family meeting. It's called a family dream session. And we do that because we didn't think anyone would really want to go to a family meeting. It doesn't sound that exciting. And so it's all in the marketing. You want to brand it so that it's something that's appealing. And so the goal setting ties into that because they're really, what are your dreams? What do you want to see happen in your life over the next year? And how can we support that together? Yes, love it. And that's exercise seven is your is your family meeting. And, and I just love how this, why is this important? You know, we can't overestimate the importance of having dedicated space and time to consistently, okay, so, you know, regularly get on the same page as a family, lift up our values, express gratitude, support each other in achieving goals, and have conversations around what's important as a family. I mean, how, how beautiful is that? Um, to create that space. So before we go, any thoughts additionally on on the family uh, dream session, family meeting? Yeah. So, you know, this really is uh, the place where all of the, the different aspects of the playbook sort of come together. So you're talking about values in the family meeting. You're talking about the goals in the family meeting. You're, you're getting on the same page. There's a space in the family meeting to bring any agenda items that they might have on their own that they want to discuss. So it's just a place where collaboration happens. We start out with gratitude where we'll all focus on dad and we'll say, everyone will say why they're grateful for dad. And then we'll go to mom and everyone says why they're grateful for mom. Then we'll do Tyler and then Ember. And then everyone just says, in general, here's what I'm grateful for. And you just start to create this this ethos of appreciation so that, you know, oftentimes uh, sitting down for a meeting, it might be a lot of like, well, you didn't do this. You should have done that. You know, we need to correct this. And in our meeting, it just becomes a big love fest. We're appreciating each other. Then we read our family values and we talk about when we've seen each other over the last week living those values. We'll also go over our high point moments for the last week. So what did we do this last week? What was really fun? What was exciting? What was challenging um, that you faced? And how did you how did you get through it? And we'll discuss all of that together. 
Um, and then we'll look at our goals. Are you on track? How are you doing on your goals? And then we'll look at the upcoming week and the schedule all together as a family. How valuable is that to just have everybody know what everybody's up to for the next week? And then how can you even set some goals around what you want to accomplish in the next mm. week? Um, so that there's some accountability. And my my wife, my daughter's big goal is to learn to read this year. And so every week she's setting some type of goals around her reading programs and how many times she's going to read and how many books and sentences and things like that. So it really becomes a place where we help lift them up and accomplish the things that they need to accomplish through the team as a family collaborating uh, together. So it's been really powerful. I think, you know, it's both the place where everything comes together and it could also be a place where you start. You start just getting together, uh, whether it's every week or every month or whatever works for your family. And you let each member of the family take a crack at leading that too. Yeah. That way it's not just always dad or mom that leads the meeting, but how can you spread the leadership around so that it's facilitated in a way that is really respectful of this being a group who everyone should have an equal voice in. There shouldn't be really one leader in any family, in my opinion, it really should be a shared responsibility where everybody's leading together, but creating that space and carving it out where families can truly talk about what's important and collaborate and, and have discussions that are meaningful. This is one of the things that I think is missing in most families, whether you do the bedtime ritual or you even do the miracle morning, if you were going to do one thing out of this book, I think it would be making sure that you're at least having a regular family meeting where everybody's getting on the same page, talking yeah. about what's important to them and bringing items up that maybe need to be discussed so that you as a family can be intentional about who you are and what you're up to. Hmm. Mike, I just am deeply grateful for the work that you and Lindsay are doing in your own home. Um, and your willingness to share it. You know, I think so many times we're like, ah, we don't have it fully figured out yet. So, you know, let's share this, you know, in 20 years. But I love that you created something with a lot of vulnerability and transparency to go. It was like this, but we change it to this and we might change it again. And being willing to, to share what you have done, the great work with the world. Um, I think that this playbook workbook um, can be transformational for homes. And I love, you know, I, I got to hear you in person, uh, share your passion behind it. And it's just so real to your heart. And, and I know uh, to Lindsay's as well. And, uh, for that to be a mission, right. To transform homes, you and I know that that's going to impact our world for generations. You know, I always say, you know, my kids could one day marry your kids. And so the way that you and I are showing up leading our families with our spouses matters, not just for me and my home, but for five generations from now, for the next generation. So I thank you for the work that you guys have done. I thank you for the simplicity and, and how you put it together and put it out there. And also the um, major amounts of grace. I've heard it from you multiple times, like, Hey, if you're only going to do one thing or don't put too much pressure on yourself, it's not like you got to do all seven of these and do them as fast as you can so that you can have a great family. No, this is like just a piece of the journey. So with all that being said, just thank you deeply. Thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And for anybody that's listening to, you can pick up two exercises uh, for free. If you go to miraclemorning.com slash PF playbook, which stands for parents and family playbook. So it's miraclemorning.com slash PF playbook. 
you can actually download two chapters, two exercises from the playbook uh, for free. And you can give those a whirl and see how it goes. It's actually the miracle morning exercise and the family meeting exercise. So I hope your audience can connect with that and that it adds value to them. And Ned, like it fires me up that there's someone out there in the world that's excited about as excited about this work as I am and who actually sees the value in it. I always say to people that even if I just impacted one family from the workbook, just one, it would be enough for the effort and the time that we put into it. So thanks for being that one family today that I know is impacted by it and believes in the work that we're doing. Yeah, we love it. All right, Mike, thank you. And encourage everybody, go check that out um, on the Miracle Morning website. And then you can also order it off of Amazon. And if you order it off Amazon, please write a review because it helps spread the word that family matters, that fatherhood matters. And we need to uh, encourage you know the work that everyone around us is doing. So thank you, Mike. Look forward to hanging out with you again soon. Yep, thanks, Ned. Oh my goodness. What another great episode. Doesn't this workbook sound incredible? I mean, they have laid such a foundation and continue to do the work. My family and I are going to implement these exercises through quarter one of 2022. Now we've done some of these things, but we're going to go through them all again. And I'll be posting updates on my social media and going over what worked and what didn't on my Friday podcast, Craft of Fatherhood, which are shorter. So you could check those out, follow along with us. We're going to start this sometime mid-January, so keep an eye out. I hope you will join me. Go order that workbook on Amazon today. You can also order The Miracle Morning for Parents and Families. I'd encourage you just to order that on Audible so that you can listen to it while you're doing all your running around uh, this Christmas season. Uh, But it'll give you really an introduction onto what is The Miracle Morning all about. The original book was written by Hal Elrod. So check it out, you guys. We are all on here because we are dads on the adventure of fatherhood and we want our families to live extraordinary lives, which means not ordinary, which means it takes work, engagement, strategy, learning. This is an opportunity to do so. Maybe it's not the one for you, but maybe it is. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. Look forward to talking to you next time. If you haven't seen the TEDx, please go watch it. Uh, You can find it on Instagram, Facebook, or just YouTube, Ned Shout TEDx Fatherhood, and help spread the word that fatherhood matters. Thank you.